Hi friends, I'm Molly, your host from Relief from Darkness, and I am here today with our brain geek, Dr. Lori Bates. Hi guys. And our good friend and teammate, Allie. Hello. Where we are recording a 10-session podcast that focuses on the biblical recovery from substance abuse and addiction. So just as a reminder, each session will also focus on the CPR of the recovery principles along with the biblically-based steps to walking into identity and freedom with Christ. So as a reminder, these steps have been influenced by the 12-step program of AA, but they take us into a deeper biblical foundation of recovery. So, Dr. Lori, what is CPR? CPR is connection, psychoeducation, and routine. We have to connect with God. We need to be connected with ourselves and self-aware And we also need to work on our connection with others. And then in the middle of that process, it's really important for us to know the psychoeducation that actually God created us with the brain. And the brain is the most complex thing in the universe, even more complex than the most vast solar system. And so if we could understand how God made our brain with biblical principles, we could understand the amygdala and the reticular activating system the ways that we can work with him and how he made us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind as we actually change brain structures is actually beautiful. And then finally, we have a lot of routine to do, a whole lot of work with we're going to do the things that we need to in self-care. We're going to reframe when bad things happen to us. And then my personal favorite is that then we don't have to make it all about us, that all of us need something to be involved with, that's something bigger than us, where we actually can make a difference on planet Earth. Woohoo! Yeah, that was good. Mm -hmm. So now, just I'm going to go through a quick summary of how we got here, because this, you guys, is the last session of this series, and it has been so good so far. So here's a short little recap. We started with number one that was titled, Here I Am, Now What?, Like, man, here I am. Now what? And then that led us straight into number two, which is titled, I can't, but God can. Here I am. Now what? I can't do this. And then God says, correct, but man, I can. And that led us into number three. After we've acknowledged that he can, then we're going to burn the ships. No excuses. We're not turning back. We're going to keep moving forward in our recovery and addiction. We're deciding that we're going to take the next steps to doing what we need to do, which leads us into number four, which is called, I've got spinach in my teeth. And it makes me laugh every single time because I understand having stuff stuck in my teeth. And so this is where we take a look at the sin and the trauma in our stuck places and we acknowledge them, which then after we acknowledge them, that leads us to step number five, which we titled own it, own it which means confess, confess to God, confess to others around you about all the spinach and the junk in your teeth. And then what do you do with that? Well, you do the Nike anointing. You just do it, which was session number six, where you own it and you just do it. You take care of it. You get the stuff out. And then number seven, Dr. Lori, what is the title? Molly, this will be my last time to do it, so make it it really well. It takes you to make a thing go right. It really, that was, that might've been the best one. I think so. So that is where you go and you make amends. You ask for forgiveness where you need forgiveness and you forgive as things are highlighted. So 
that took us straight into session number eight, which we titled Poop on Your Shoe. This is where you admit that you're wrong. You admit that maybe you stepped in some stuff and you're tracking it around the house, all the things and the baggage and your sin, you're just tracking into every single environment you go into. And now's the time to clean it up. But the good news of that one was, is you didn't have to just clean it up on your own. But Jesus says, I'm going to help you. And I'm going to cover this with you, which led us straight into session number nine, which we titled Simon Says. Jesus said it, so we're going to do it. We're going to know him and we're going to press in to who we're created to be in him based on what is biblically true, which leads us straight into number 10, the last session, which is titled, Go Get Them. So you're going to go and you're going to get them. Allie, can you tell us what this step is? Absolutely. After we have come this far there ought to be something in us that we just have to get out and give back and pull others um, in. And so the 12th step of AA says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and practice these principles in all our affairs. And this is probably one of my absolute favorites. Yeah. Uh, Yes, because the last human word, Jesus ever spoke Mm -hmm. was an instruction to the disciples. Mm. But I want to start before that. I do. Molly, would you please summarize the encounter of the woman at the well and Jesus? I would love to. Thank you. This is my favorite. So let's just take us, let's just take us back to John 4. And this is the encounter of the woman with the well at with Jesus. So picture this. Imagine this because I'm going to summarize. So you have a woman and then you have Jesus. And so this woman was in this place where she was having to go every single day to get a bucket of water. And here's the thing. Whenever she would go, she chose to go get her bucket of water in the middle of the day. Like, it was noon o'clock, she was walking, she was tired, and which makes us think, why Why noon? Why didn't she go to the watering hole with all of her friends in the cool of the morning and, you know, have a hangout and talk to people? Why? It's because she's in shame. She doesn't want to be around people. She wants to be isolated. She wants to be left alone. She doesn't want to have any kind of interactions that will remind her of the shame that she's in. She doesn't want any of that. So she chooses the hottest part of the day where she knows that no one's going to be there to bother her or ask her questions. And I think we can all relate to that a little bit at some point in our lives. So then picture that she's going and then rewind like a few days before there's Jesus and a separate scene. And he says, hang on, I have to go through Samaria and he's around and he's preaching and he's teaching and then His disciples are baptizing people. And so Jesus is on the move. He leaves Judea and goes back once more to Galilee. But he says before he can go to Galilee, he needs to go through Samaria. So he goes through Samaria and he came to a town in Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. So then he sits down by Jacob's well and Jesus, he was so tired fully God and fully man ends up right at the very same well that this woman was also journeying to. 
And this is their encounter. He says to the Samaritan woman, will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman says, how is it that you can ask me for a drink? For you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman and Jews do not associate with Samaritans. She's an outcast, you guys. She's a woman and she's a Samaritan. Think of like the outcasts of all outcasts. And that's her. This would be like the president of the United States going to um, someone who's experiencing mental health crisis and homelessness and addiction and asking them for a drink. Like this is the kind of just crazy encounter that happens in this moment. And so she says that. And then he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And then the woman's like, living water? Like what? Like, first off, you've got nothing to draw with and the well is deep. So I don't know even how you're going to get this water. Like, where is it going to come from? She's still thinking from these kind of humanly um, thoughts and fleshly thoughts. And then Jesus says, whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then the woman's kind of like hooked. She's like, okay, like, well, then give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water in the middle of the day when I'm trying to not be around all of these people. And just in her shame, then she wouldn't have to do it at all, right? So then Jesus says, go, call your husband and come back. And then the woman says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, what you have just said is quite true. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. You are correct. And he kind of just tells her about herself. And there's something about Jesus telling us about ourselves that does something in us. And so she's like, okay. And so they keep talking about where to worship and who worships where. And they get in kind of this uh, conversation. And, and then Jesus explains that his true worshipers will worship in the spirit and in truth. And he goes on to this long kind of um, text about how people will worship whenever they come to the know, whenever they come to know the Father. And he says the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth because God is spirit. And then her reaction to that is, "Man, I can see you're a prophet, but there's one coming, the Messiah called Christ. He'll be here, and when he gets here, he's going to explain everything to us." And this is where Jesus reveals himself. This is my favorite part of the whole story because I imagine he looks her dead in the eye and he declares, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. He chose to reveal himself to an outcast sinner who is riddled in shame and fear and doesn't want to be known. And that's who he goes after. He sought her out. And that's who he chooses to reveal himself to. Is that not the most crazy thing we've ever heard in our entire lives? We, okay. So what is that? Like, what do you do with that? Right? And so the very thing that she was there to do, which was get water. So imagine her carrying a bucket and she's going to get it. 
And then after this encounter, it says in the scripture that she drops her bucket. And I really believe that this represents shame. She dropped the shame of why she was even there in the first place. She didn't care anymore about why she was there because she had just been introduced to the living, breathing Christ. And she drops her bucket and she goes back into town. And Allie, what does she say? Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. And I'm just going to pick right up and read uh, the end of this passage. It says, Many of the Samaritan people in that town believed in Jesus. They believed because of what the woman had told them about him. She had told them, He told me everything I have ever done. The Samaritans went to Jesus. They begged him to stay with them. So he stayed there two days. Many more people became believers because of the things he said. The people said to the woman, First, we believed in Jesus because of what you told us. But now we believe because we heard him ourselves. We know now that he really is the one who will save the world. Yeah. And then we're going to jump right into that final instruction that Jesus gave. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He said that to his disciples that had been with him for the three years of his ministry on earth. He called them from ordinary, sinful, shame-filled lives to follow him and to learn from him. They went through everything with the Lord. They witnessed miracles, teachings, healings, fulfillment of prophecy. They saw persecution They saw mocking and torture. They left him. They betrayed the truth. They stood up for him. They watched him die. They watched him be buried in a tomb. And they suffered incredible despair. They hid for their lives in that despair. And then he reappeared, bringing each one of them to the realization that death isn't the end. And this began the side of God's work through humanity, the mission of believers. The mission of believers, and that is what we are here to do. And so 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17, Paul writes, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What an incredible testimony. Right there, Paul lays it out. This is who I was, and this is who Jesus has called me to be. We also know that Jesus prayed for us. He knew our calling and the troubles we would face as believers in a sinful world. John 
17, 14 through 21 says, I have given them your teaching. This is Jesus praying for the believers. I have given them your teaching and the world has hated them because they don't belong to the world, just as I don't belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I am asking you that you keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to the world, just as I don't belong to the world. Make them ready for your service through your truth. Your teaching is truth. I have sent them into the world just as you sent me into the world. I am making myself completely ready to serve you. I do this for them so that they also might be fully qualified for your service. I pray not only for these followers, but also for those who will believe in me because of their teaching. Father, I pray that all who believe in me can be one. You are in me and I am in you. And I pray that they also be one in us. Then the world will believe that you sent me. And James 5, 19 and 20 says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Jesus gave us victory, and he also was very clear that we do have an enemy, that is Satan, but he has been defeated. And something that, man, I absolutely love, and it rocked my world when I was taught this verse, and it reminded me of the power of the calling that we have. Revelation 12, 11 says, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. We overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the word of the testimony that he has given us. And it's through that word that people are drawn to him. Just like the woman at the well, she went and shared her testimony and people, it it brought curiosity. The word drew them to the Lord and then they believed themselves. We overcome this old life through Christ and we get to be vessels of his glory. We get to be his story and bring others to the knowledge of what he has done for us. And we get to live that out. Isaiah 61.1 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. We said this before in, I think, the previous podcast, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly, and we were not created to be junkies, but we were created to be free and victorious and overcome the enemy of our souls and to be salt and light and share the message of truth and freedom. And if you've laid the groundwork, if you have done these things, if you have applied the CPR and the biblical recovery principles, then you should be at a place where you can't keep it in. I can't. I know Molly can't. Yeah. We can't because we, together, we serve. We do what the Lord has called us to do. And it's not of our own doing, but it is his works that he prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. We are his creation and his masterpiece. And it's for his glory. It's all for his glory. We are here to share the message of hope. People are dying in their addiction. Mm Mm-hmm. People are dying without hope. And here we are with this incredible message, with a testimony where we can drop our pail. Molly, I love that you 
see shame in that bucket. I also, I see, I see everything that the world can give us in Mm -hmm. that she went to go get water that would fulfill her thirst fleshly. And she dropped it. Why? Because she didn't need it anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she didn't because the Lord had just given her the living water. And that's what we have. And just like that tree in Psalm one, are we going to produce good fruit? Are we going to bear that fruit? Are we going to produce life? And is life going to come out of us? Are we going to tell people and call out what we see and call them out of the darkness that they are in? Not because of us, but because of him and what he has done. Are we going to hear things like, I'm just an addict and that's who I'm going to be and be able to say, you don't always have to be that. Mm -hmm. What if that's not true? Yeah. What if that's not why? The Lord has us here right now so that you can hear that he is calling you to himself. He is calling you to repent, to be made new and be filled with the Holy Spirit and then take that baton and run with it. Run the race that is set before you. Yeah. And he asks her, he asks her for a drink. Don't you think that's interesting? Mm -hmm. Like he asks her for something with every intention of giving her actually everything. And that's, that's surrender, man. That's that he's going to ask, he'll ask. And then going through these steps, like this is, these are the things that he's asked of us to do the work and to commit to the process and to be willing to go where it's going to be hard and where it might not work out all the way every time, the way that we think that it should. But whenever we lay that down, then he gives us everything in return. He gives us that living water, which meets every desire that we need. Mm. And that we're created for, he fulfills it through the living water. Dr. Lori. Yes. Yeah. Aren't you excited? You want to hear the CPR of this, don't you? I do want to hear the CPR. Well, this this is just the R, something bigger. I mean, that's an entire category in the CPR. This is incredible. And this should actually be a part of our everyday life. There's a saying that I heard. And that saying goes that if you claim to be a Christian and if you aren't a missionary, if you aren't on mission, then could you be an imposter? Mm. And so this isn't an option. This is actually a command that if we've really encountered him, how could we contain it? If I really experienced the best, whatever, I want to share that with other people. And actually the decisions that I make to share this or to do what I'm called to do could actually have impact, not for today or not for tomorrow, but literally billions of years from now. And the frightening statistic is that they interviewed the Christians at large in America asking how many knew about the Great Commission to go into the world, to preach the good news, to lay our hands on the sick, to do what Jesus actually invited us to do, to go wait for the power of the Holy Spirit and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and then to go out and the baton has been passed to us and he could have done everything and we all could have been sucked up into heaven, but he left us here to do the work. And less than 50% of Christians know what the Great Commission is, that it's our responsibility, that the baton, again, has been passed to us, that if something's not getting done, it's a responsibility of us on planet Earth today. And so where's the body of Christ and how are we doing with this? And and how does this actually affect us and our mental health? And so here we have culture that's actually built around this. One of our core values, we have four core values and one of them is go. 
In other words, my paraphrase would be butts on the field. Get out of the four walls. There's a dying and hurting world. And for us to experience the fullness of Jesus, it has to be outside of us. That is, he has done it in us, then he does it through us. As we get one, then we give one. And it's a beautiful, beautiful process. And even there was a guy that survived two concentration camps and his name was Victor Frankel. And so after the concentration camps, he started working with people that were depressed and suicidal and he had an incredible success rate. And he identified three things that everybody needed to participate in if they were actually going to overcome their depression and their suicidal ideation. And the first thing that he had them do was identify a project that they could work on that if they didn't work on that project, someone would suffer. And so the project itself didn't matter. And then the second thing that he did is he had them establish a redemptive perspective on suffering. And so as hard as it may have been, he had them search for what could be positive on the other side. And so I wonder, all of you who are listening, what are you doing that it matters if you show up? That if you don't show up, then something's not going to be done. And then secondly, have you found the redemptive perspective? Have you reframed the narrative of the things that you've gone through in your suffering and the suffering that you've caused because of addiction? And then finally, the third thing was, is he said, you've got to take other people with you. You need a close set of friends or a community that accepts you as you are. And they're doing the things that you've been called to do. And so from a mental health standpoint, it's critical that we do something bigger than ourselves. And from a biblical standpoint, it's critical that we adhere to what the scripture said to do. And God didn't say, Jesus didn't say when everything comes in in together, when you have more than what you need, when you have all of the answers, when you get your nth degree from Bible school, when everybody acknowledges who you are and what you're being called to do. He said, no, he said, go. And so all of us have someone that we could lead, someone that we could pour into. We have to share what we've been given. It's just that good. And if we're not, if we're not on fire, if this isn't contagious, then I wonder again, back to the beginning is that if I claim to be a Christian and I'm not a missionary, now I didn't say vocational missionary. I didn't say this is what we have to do all the time. If we don't utilize the skills that we've been given in the circle of influence in the platform that we play in every day to be on mission, to bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and to advance the gospel of the kingdom. Me doing that as an occupational therapist with an expertise in trauma in whatever area that is through my pain, my heartache, my struggles, and also my strength mixes. If I'm not utilizing those things to advance the gospel of the kingdom, then what's the priority in my life? And if we look at who are we spending time with, what are we spending time doing and what can we not quit talking about? What do we dream about? How are we a part of something bigger than ourselves? Literally the things that we do today could have impact billions of years from now. And so this, I think, is a culmination of everything that we've talked about and actually the culmination of the CPR. We are not meant to be islands and we are not meant to be lone rangers and we are not meant to be self-absorbed. There is a much bigger picture that in the beginning, it wasn't Lori. And in the beginning it was God and God created heaven and earth. And he told us what to do. And part of that, the last assignment 
I love the language that Allie used and is to go. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And now we're supposed to go out and to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That will preach. All of us could preach for yeah. probably hours probably with this. So really I'll just, time. yeah, I'll just shut it down right now. But it was really good. Yes. And that's what like, here's, a, I'm just kind of thinking out loud. And I mean, I'm like a walking advertisement for things that I really love. I mean, we, I got here today, you guys, and I just got a new pair of jeans and I got this new pair of jeans for a great price of $6 and 81 cents. And I walk into the room and I'm telling Dr. Lori and I'm telling Allie, you guys, you have to go get these jeans. They're on sale for $6.81. Look at how cute it is. Look at the real pockets. Look at the way it makes my legs look like they're stretchy. The button doesn't rub. I mean, maybe a little bit, but not super bad. And I just go on and on and on about wanting to tell everyone about these jeans. And then I think, do I have that same kind of like gumption to go and, and talk about Jesus? Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like more than what these jeans have done for my body and for the price that they were, but I should be talking about Jesus to the people that I know and in my circle with that same excitement. We've been reconciled to our father. Mm -hmm. Come here, a man who told me everything I've ever done. Come here, a man who, who come here, a man who, who set me free from whatever, from addiction and from substance abuse and from all of the disastrous relationships surrounding it. How could we not? If we'll go talk about anything else, but what about the thing that really matters eternally? Can we get a fire for that? And if we don't have it, as Dr. Lori said, then let's see where we got off or let's see where it's wrong or let's check our connection with him and see how we could experience him in new and fresh mm -hmm. ways. Because the Bible is living. Yes. It's living and it breathes and it speaks to us and it takes us deeper every single time. Allie, what has it been like for you now? Like, I mean, you... You're a missionary, and you you give back every single day. What is that like? Uh, it's one totally the Lord, um, because there's no way apart from that that I would ever live the life that every day I can't believe that I get to live. We were just talking about this the other day. I can't do anything else. Yeah, that's just the truth. I cannot do anything else. I wouldn't want to do anything else. Man, and I remember being so hungry and desperate for purpose. Mm -hmm. um, something that randomly came to my mind was I remember there was a time in my addiction that I, I had told somebody that all I wanted to do was help somebody get on a better path. And there I was completely stuck. And that, And today I see like the Lord is the one that puts us on a better path. And he sends people, he sends us to go and do it. And I'll tell you, um, it's not always easy and it's not always pretty. But like literally 24 hours a day of my life are in this very thing of having the responsibility of sharing that and, and helping Others understand the implications of where they're at and where they're going and maybe turning that around. And it's not pretty and it's not easy. But every single time that there is a breakthrough or there is someone who 
maybe came one way. And then we're getting to see them absolutely thrive in another way. Like, it just seals in. This is why we are here. This is why we're here. This person that had no hope, this person who was, maybe came from a life of just being used up and um, generational cycles of sin and abuse, now breaking a cycle and leading in another way and receiving what the Lord is inputting into their life. Like having a front row seat to God at work, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than that. And even if it takes years Mm -hmm. of pouring into somebody, it's worth it. It is so worth it. But I want to go back to what Lori was saying and what Molly, like, if you're not doing it, why? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you doing it? How can you keep that in? I physically cannot keep it in. And I know the ladies around this table physically cannot keep it in because yeah. I've seen y'all at work and, you know, just God utilizing you and your lives for his glory is incredible. Um, but it takes authentic, consistent connection, which we see all through scripture. Um, yeah. And that's where I see all of these, like, this isn't just another program. Mm -mm. Do you know what I mean? Like we can do these steps with this. It can't just be about and doing another program. We don't need any more programs, man. We need purpose. Truth. And that's what the Bible gives us because then we, we see the purpose of, of our creation and why we're here. That's the thing that drives us. And then you get those moments. I love how you're saying like when you get to watch someone have breakthrough or heal right in front of you, or you, you get into that place where you, where you have that moment, you're like, this is why I'm created. Like, and you hear the voice of the Lord and he's like, this is how, this is why, this is why you're created. This is why to do this, that is the most fulfilling thing. And, and then everything else outside of that just looks like just trash. Yes. Like then it's not even like what everything else looks horrible because it's not what you're created for. It's not your purpose. It's a waste. It's a waste. It's a waste. Are you wasting your life? Are you wasting what God designed for you to do? Every breath we have is an opportunity. And if we're here, like, I read, I don't know where, but they were like, if you are here, right here and right now, alive, on this side of eternity, it's because you're carrying something that this generation needs. Fact. Just fact. If you're alive with breath in your lungs, you're carrying something that the world needs for the kingdom of heaven. Mm. Like done. Right? Dr. Lori? And there's something that happens when the creator of the universe is going to make a play on planet earth and he picks us to be out on the field. Is that your favorite part? I love it. Like what is your favorite part? We don't get to hear a lot of like personal things, but what's been your favorite part? For the body of Christ to be fully available and fully present and fully alive to advance the gospel of the kingdom and be the solution to what's happening on planet earth today. That's what we're called to do. And so let me read you this. It says, dear church, stop gathering around the name of Jesus while ignoring the ways of Jesus. 
remember the poor, feed the hungry, welcome the stranger, serve the least, visit the prisoner, clothe the naked, deliver the oppressed, and rise for the marginalized. He waits for us there. So when we go and we do what we're being called to do, we find him there. That that we bounce between I'm in the presence of God. And when I'm in the presence of God, then he picks me and he deploys me to go out into the depravity of humanity. And when I'm out in the depravity of humanity, I encounter him and it thrusts me back into his presence. And I wrestle around with those things. And then I'm deployed back out. And then I become a partner with him because someone somewhere is depending upon me to do what he's called me to do. And someone somewhere is depending upon Molly and Allie and all of the listeners to do what God's called us to do. And usually it's not just a one, someone it's everywhere that we go. We're invited to advance the gospel and to bring his presence. And so then the world becomes a mission field. And if I'm a dentist, then dentistry is a modality. If I'm a therapist, then the therapist part of me is a modality. It's whatever's in our hand. He could use anything as long as we're using it for his glory and we've given it back to him. And then we start rallying around that. That's the cry, rallying around that. And then that's who we attract. And then before you know it, we have a community who sees the wonder in us and they challenge us and they triple dog dare us to go and to do what he's called us to do. Mm -hmm. And the impossible becomes possible because we've encountered the invisible. The invisible is so real to us and what he's done in us, why can't he do through us? And then when we see him do that through someone else, it looks different and we become more obsessed with him and more in love with him. And as we step out in faith, not when we have it all together and we have all the resources and all the answers and everything lines up, but when we step out in faith, he never lets us down. He continues to show up day after day and week after week and year after year. And that's how we've been doing this for year after year after year after year. And then we grow more and more in love with him, not how he showed up or what he did, but we actually then are growth oriented and we fall more and more and more in love with him as we're meeting him in the marginalized. Yeah. That's so good. That is so good. And and once you start, man, like once you start sharing or once you start seeing healings happening around mm-hmm. you, or I remember I was like, okay, it says to desire the prophetic, like desire that and do that. And then once you start like practicing it, man, there is nothing more fun than like knowing something that you shouldn't know, or you point to someone and you say, is your name, whatever and it, it is their name. And then the Lord has a word to minister to them. And then you get to watch someone encounter Jesus right in front of you. It is like, I mean, it's, it's exhilarating. Mm -hmm. And that has been far, that's a far greater rush than any drug I've ever done. Amen, sister. Like that's the real exhilaration and that's the real adrenaline and that's the real thing. And then the rest of it can't even touch it. You know what I mean? It's not supposed to. And it's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. So where else would we go and what else would we do? We can't not do this. There is nothing else. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing not. else. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh-huh. So good. All right. Any final words or parting words? You guys, this then, here's what I'm hearing is go get them. Mm-hmm. Give as freely as you've received. 
don't keep it in. How can you not? And and bring people with you because, man, it's fun. And, mm-hmm. man, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, guys. This concludes Biblical Recovery from Substance Abuse and Addiction series. So, till next time. See you next time. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to our Relief from Darkness podcast. If you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, please visit the No Boundaries International website at www.nbint.org, where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration. And be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.